Happy Thanksgiving. This morning I was reading out of Psalms, and I just want to read this before we go back into worship this morning, because this morning, that's what we're doing, is we're coming to worship our King, because He is such a good God, such an amazing God, and today we get to share that thankfulness we have for Him in this room today. Psalm 66 says this. It says, shout joyful praise to God, all the earth. Sing about the glory of his name. Tell the world how glorious he is. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Your enemies cringe before your mighty power. Everything on earth will worship you. They will sing your praises, shouting your name in glorious song. And in verse 8 it says, let the whole world bless our God and sing aloud his praises. This morning, that's why we're here, is we are going to sing his praises, we are going to shout his name, because he is a good God. Amen? So Father God, we come this morning and we say you are a good God. This morning we say we are thankful for everything you've done in our life. And this morning, God, we choose to honor you and worship you with our praise. So, Father, that's what we do today. So let's worship him. There we go. Uh, so today uh, we have a great guest speaker. Uh, he's one of our elders, Mr. Cam Hunter. And uh, Cam, I've known him for quite a while, actually. I don't know if people know this, but me and Cam and Teresa all went to Bible college together. Years and years ago when it was Northwest Bible College and it was a little tiny shack by Central Pentecostal Church. And uh, one of the things about Cam is he runs a business now and he's one of our elders. But let me tell you, this man could easily be on staff at any church probably in the world because uh, he has a calling. And I mean, God has so blessed him uh, just to be able to be a teacher, a prophetic voice, and just a wonderful man of God. And for whatever reason, God has put him here at Community Church. And so we're very honored to have him here, right? And so we just bless you as you share with us today. Thank you. I should let you go on for a couple more minutes. <laughs> so we've got a great backdrop here of this declaration over us that God loves us so much. Father loves us, and he's good. He's so good. He's so good. And I got to tell you, I like being prepared when it comes to a service, but he has thwarted me in the last couple of weeks. I, I get some stuff, and I like to try and get a skeleton together, and I want to make sure that it's all solid and whatnot. And he's like, nope, nope. So we're going on a bit of a voyage today. We're going to see where he takes us here. Ah, thank you, Lord. Now, I've got notes, so it's not like I'm flying by the seat of my pants, so get that out of your head. I've been reading in, my wife started actually, she started, it's her fault. At the beginning of the year, she, how many of you have a Bible app on your phone or your iPad? Okay, have you ever started one of those reading programs? Okay, yeah, she started it, and I'm like, oh, hey, what are you doing there? <laughs> Immediately competition rises up, I gotta catch up. <laughs> so I set out on the journey to read the Bible in the whole year, and, and honestly, I'm behind schedule. I'm... I'm about halfway, and I realize there's only a few more months to go, so I'm trying to double-time it now. But in the last few weeks, I'm reading through, and how many of you know that section at the beginning where it starts, Hoaz Ahatharan begat Joseph Bacharan, and you start bogging down. <clears throat> well, what would happen if the Holy Ghost started bringing stuff alive in there? And you're like, okay, that's interesting. And so I'm plowing through Chronicles, and all of a sudden, some stuff starts to jump out that I've never seen before. And you know those moments where you're a little sarcastic with God, and you're like, come on. That wasn't there before. So that's kind of where I've been in the last few weeks, and it started to stir something. And then some pieces start to attach to it, where Chronicles, if you, if you don't remember, Chronicles is going through, you know, which kings of Israel were in charge and what happened when they were. And so you've got high points where things are awesome and, and the glory's over the nation and everybody's, you know, prospering and whatnot. And then you've got the next guy. And you all know what happens when the next guy gets in charge. Next thing, you know, 
crater, and everybody's, oh, woe is me, we're all in trouble, you know. And this cycle, this cycle, I'm like, God, what is this about? And so this phrase jumps out three times in the book of Second Chronicles. For the guys who failed, same phrase. And I went, okay, you're saying something here. So the phrase is, actually, you know, before I even get to that, when you're reading through these quick summaries in Chronicles, you know, and things are going well in the nation, it usually starts with, and all the people got together and they gave their gifts to the, and they restored the temple and everything got cleaned up and there was gold and then they slaughtered animals. And there were, but we don't really get into the experience of what was that actually like. How long does it take to slaughter and burn hundreds of animals? And when the Bible says something like, and the people all shouted with a great shout, what does that mean? The introverts stayed out of it? No. You know, like, we don't, we don't look into this stuff and go, what is this actually about? What did it really look like? And so I start slowing down, and I'm getting into, okay, God, what are you saying here? Because the cycle is... When things are great and glorious, there's a ton of worship going on in the nation. Everybody's bringing their stuff, you know, gold and silver and whatnot is going on, and everybody's prospering. They've got safety in the nation. One of the phrases actually, in referring to Jehoshaphat, talks about how they start worshiping God, and then the fear of the Lord comes down on the surrounding nations, such that they don't attack Israel. So that's a glory that comes in response to this seeking God, that protects the whole nation and causes people to prosper. And I'm like, okay, I like that part. So what happens then, God? Because the cycle happens. And I'm like, what's going on? And so you're at this high peak and everything's glorious and people are doing their thing. And then it, it tips over slightly into we're safe and we're comfortable. So let's take our foot off the gas a little bit. We'll let the priests do their stuff. And everybody just kind of eases off a little bit, and then it starts to slide. And you know the cycle that happens. Once it starts to slide like that, then the next guy comes in, and he wasn't doing what his father was doing, and, and then it gets a little worse, and then suddenly there's Id idols popping up on the high places, and, and then you know it gets down to, boom, we're being overrun, the armies are crushing in, and, and then, oh, right, there is a God in heaven, and we should do something about that. So then the cycle starts again. The people get desperate. They start bringing what they've got. They're restoring the temple. They're cleaning it out. They're reinstating the worship and stuff like that. And then the glory comes back and all of a sudden, everything gets straightened out again. I'm like, okay, so this cycle keeps happening. What's going on? So what I'd never seen before in this, this phrase that repeats itself refers to the king who fails and everything slides. And the phrase is, he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. And it, so what that, what that says is he didn't prepare. It doesn't just say he didn't seek God. It wasn't like he went, okay, I'm not going to seek God. He didn't prepare to seek God. Suggests that he started out seeking God. To a measure. A peace, right? And so this stirring is going in me. What are you saying here, God? And then all of a sudden, scriptures all across the New Testament start to explode in my mind. Jesus talking to people, because he's surrounded by crowds, and, you know, somebody comes up and asks him a question, and he responds to that one. And then, you know, someone else comes up and asks a question. At one point, this rich young guy comes up. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus' response, I'm sure you know it, keep the commandments. Something in this guy's going, I've done that. I'm done that. There's something. There's something else. What is it? And so Jesus cuts deeper. He's like, oh, you want to know the truth? Here it is. Bam. Go and sell everything you've got and come follow me. Ooh. And he goes away downcast because the truth cut to the bone of what's really going on. And think about the number of times that Jesus does that kind of a confrontation to the heart. You know, the Samaritan woman that comes to him is looking for healing, and, and his response, it's not good to give children's bread to the dogs. Whoa, kind, polite Jesus. What are you doing? 
Because God's interested in confronting the heart to get pride and get all the stuff out of the way so that he can get at your heart to respond to him. And he's merciless about it. To the people who know better. You know, when it... A contrite heart God will not despise. You know, the, the humble he gives grace to, the proud he resists. So you start seeing these scriptures all over the place and realize, oh, okay, time to sit up a little bit here. And in the background of these sorts of things coming up in scripture, I'm, I'm paying attention to the world around me. I'm paying attention to what's going on. So let me just give you some facts, because I, I, I looked up stats can to find out what's happening with Canada. Did you know that in the next 10 years, the death rate is going to overtake the birth rate in Canada? Did you know that currently we're importing 300,000 immigrants a year? Within five years, it's been recommended to boost that up to 450,000 immigrants a year. And guess who most of them are? Like, have you ever looked? There's three groups primarily that are being brought in. Primarily, we've got people from the Philippines, we've got people from India, and we've got people from Syria. So without adding any value statement about that, you simply go, here's a bunch of people that are coming from a totally foreign way of thinking, from the Orient, from North Africa, from the Middle East. This, you know, white nation that we've got from Western Europeans that, you know, came here and whatnot, it's disappearing rapidly. Like 30 years from now, the demographics in Canada are going to be totally different. That means the way we look at government, the way we look at society, all of that stuff is changing. I was like, wow, that's interesting, Lord. Okay, what are you saying here? Another interesting fact. Guess what the average age in Canada is? I was shocked. Did you know that 45% of the nation right now is older than 45? So in 30 years, according to you know, average statistic lifespan, stuff like that, half of the people in Canada are going to be gone in 30 years and replaced by immigrants. The nation is totally changing, and the values are changing. And that's just statistics. Then you can go into things like the ideologies, the the political left. You can go into um, things like how much Islam is, is influencing the nation. Right now, Canada has 3% of the population that's Muslim. I went, okay, that's, so what are you saying there? So dig around to a few other places. Britain has got 5% Muslim. France has 7% Muslim. And we've all heard stories about what's happening. Islam is not here to integrate. They're bringing their culture, they're bringing their politics, they're bringing their family life and whatnot, and they're not changing to us. They're bringing their ideology. And I, I'm not judging what's happening there. I'm just simply stating some facts. And so I'm going, these forces are at work in Canada to change things. You know, you've lived in Alberta here for a while, so we know what four years of the NDP can do. Frankly, I'm a little shocked because they put their foot down on the gas pedal. And that's the recurring theme with all of these other ideologies is they don't hold back. Have you noticed? Antifa? They're not into logic. They're not into reason. They don't want to come together and politely discuss ideas and see which one makes more sense. They've decided they're going to take over. It's going to be our way or the highway. This Judge Kavanaugh thing in the United States unsubstantiated accusation against a man who's going to be on the Supreme Court of the entire nation, no evidence to back it up, and it almost took him down. Like, that sort of thing, it, it undermines the rule of law. This is the backdrop that's going on in North America. This is the stuff that's happening. And the, the church, including me, I'm not the church, by and large, has been in that state where we want to be comfortable. Jesus, come and bless me. He leaves the 99 to go seek the one. That's me. I want the warm fuzzies. You go back to the word. The command is seek the Lord. 
He doesn't seek you except for salvation. After that, you go after him. That's what he says, and he says it all over the place. And he's not mincing words about it. And so what does that look like then? So when I was with Mark and went to the Netherlands, met a couple there that were at the Brownsville Revival for a few years, and they described, what's it like to be in revival day to day? Well, imagine having to line up 12 hours before church in order to get in. Wow. Okay, we don't think that way. Are we ready for the glory of God to come in such a fashion that you've got to fight to get in? And make no bones about it, that's who God responds to. You know, you look at the paralytic with the four friends, they tore the roof off to get in ahead of the guy. They jumped the queue. That wasn't very polite of them. But he got healed because he jumped the queue because his desire overruled all this other stuff. I was laying awake last night because this stuff has been churning in me. My gosh. So God said, what would you do? How would you behave if I gave you the lotto 649 numbers with 10 minutes to go before it closes on, a, what is it, Friday or Saturday? And there's a lineup of 10 people ahead of you. What would you do? The polite Canadian part of you goes, well, you stand in line and you really hope that you get to the... T-. What he's looking for and what he's trying to illustrate is, would you cause a disruption? Would you break to the front of the line? Would you do whatever it took to get there to get the ticket for $60 million because you know it's going to win? Right. Canadians are really polite. We're really good at deferring and muttering in the background about it when we have to. But our good, good father is showing us what he's looking for in a church. And believe me, we have a great church here. Like I've been able to travel with Mark a fair amount, see different nations and stuff like that. We've got a great church. But he also wants to turn it up. You know, I think it's Ephesians. You know, the fivefold is given so that the body can be matured and raised up to the stature of Jesus. That means... Father wants to make you just as effective as Jesus. How many other people have got a long way to go? Yeah. So what would happen if the Holy Spirit started trying to grab a hold of you and go, okay, it's time? Because I know my temptation is to go, oh, yeah, a little bit later. And it's been that way for a large part of my Christian life, right? You, you kind of do what you need to do just to maintain status quo and whatnot. But then, and I'm sure some of you saw it, when I got back from the Netherlands, things have been wrecked for me. Because I've seen, a, you know, a people that are doing it, and so I know it's possible, and so I know I'm accountable for it. And so God's starting to apply these scriptures to our hearts. What is the first and greatest commandment? With all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your money, with all your time, with all... Like, this is what it actually means. And love your neighbor as yourself, the second commandment. And this is the requirement, so we we can't make any bones about it. This is what we're called to do. Regardless of your sex, regardless of your age, regardless of your generation, regardless of what you've lived through, what you've failed, what, you know, whatever's happened, regardless... This is what he's expecting of us. Because in this season, somebody's got to stand. Somebody. Where are the gifts of healing? Where are the miracles? Where are the prophetic words that shake people to the core? Where? I don't know if you've noticed or not. My beautiful wife has no hair. She's not had hair for 20 years. She's got a health thing. And I've kind of, over the years, you do that, God, wine. You said healing was the children's bread. You said. Well, just in recent weeks, you know what he said. When I'm, I, again, I'm coming back going, God, what about, what about my son who's not serving the Lord? There's no mental solution for that stuff. Somebody's got to go in. Somebody, and this is what he said to me in relation to my wife's healing. He said, come and get it. And it's the same for this other stuff. 
if we get beyond the veil and we get into the Holy of Holies, if we'll go after God, a glory that comes down, that chases off your adversaries and makes them afraid to come near you, it's in the book. It's available. And this house specifically, I've referred to this before, we've got prophetic words for this specific house about our sphere of responsibility. This house is called to be an apostleship. This house has a responsibility for a 150-mile radius. And these words aren't, these are given by, you know, international prophets, you know, Bob Jones, Bobby Connor, like headliners that were here. They told us who we are. And so what that means is we've got to be able to take that word, go, we're responsible for it. So Drew is responsible to go after this. Mike Lardron, you and your kids are responsible to go after this. Jespersons, you're responsible to go after this. Youth, you are too. Your faith matters. Your prayer matters. Your worship matters. So let's skip back then to what does it look like on, you know, the temple is is in high praise and whatnot. Like, it's loud. It doesn't stop. You know, David's tent that he set up just before the temple, 24 hours a day, every hour, a new team of 30 pros were getting up to worship the Lord flat out. And that went on for 33 years. And then it shifts over into the temple. Like, this is what God's looking for. This is his taste. This is his preference. And we've got to shift our lives towards what it is that he wants. We've got to prepare our hearts to seek the Lord. And that means we've got to start getting some stuff out of the way. Quick survey. Is anybody feeling uncomfortable with what I'm saying? (laughs) Me too. I've literally been lying awake at nights as this stuff is churning in me because he's measuring me the same as he's measuring everyone else. He's getting at our stuff and he's not going to hold off. So little things are starting to change for me. I mean, I, I can't say that I'm totally revolutionizing my whole life, but there's stuff that's changing. My wife can testify too. Video games on my iPad, they were a nuisance, man. If I had downtime for a second, whoosh, up came a video game. And, and the Lord started getting after me. He's like, what about the time? What about the fact that you're not reading? What about, oh, yes, sir. Dump it all off. I went back the next day, downloaded one of the games. I don't know if you've ever had that voice of, the, of God where it comes over your shoulder and you're just, what are you doing? <laughs> you're right, sorry. Get out of there. <laughs> but this is, he wants to get into our lives. And it's for our good. That's the key to all of this. It's for our own good. God's expecting worship, not just for his sake, we need to orient properly to him because it changes the way you live. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else gets added. What would happen if we actually believed it? What would happen? Like, I don't know if you're like me. You ever read Acts 2 and think of, oh, so glorious. They're full of the Holy Ghost and they're going house to house and praying and miracles are happening and stuff like that. It's amazing and then you read the parts about they sold everything. Like, this is what the reality is. You know, the, the people at, what are they, where was that in the Bible? Brownsville. There's so much power that people are pulling off the freeway going by and they're, they're pulling into the, the little chapel on the outside where people are praying constantly. They walk in the door and they got the deer in the headlights look and they're like, I don't know why I'm here. Because the Spirit of God is so powerfully present there that it's just grabbing people off the road straight into the kingdom. But that's all coming from an atmosphere where these people are so ready to go after God. Have you ever seen the videos of worship from some of these places? It's amazing to watch. I I pity the sound man because the people are roaring. Nobody's got to say praise the Lord. And when they say praise the Lord, it's, you know, all guns blazing. It's, it's coming out of your own heart. You might be following the words. You might be filling into the, the quiet spots. You might just be trying to talk over everybody around you because you're seeking the Lord with a full heart. 
Now, if you're in this room and you're in this church for any amount of time and this responsibility is on you, that means you've agreed to be here. <laughs> you've agreed to the terms and conditions in the small print at the bottom. And you're agreeing that this is what I want, God. Believe me when I say if you don't agree to the terms and conditions, you won't be able to stay. This is not a place for comfortable church. This is not a place where we, we can be half-hearted for long. And in the season that's changed, just recently changed, the requirement has changed. Um, where's Gord? Oh. oh, there he is. Gord, come on up for a second. I want you to hear something that's going on with Gord. Okay, I'm going to see if I can get this out. Um, <laughs> sorry, you're wrecking me already. Um, and I got to say, first of all, this is not something that I'm good at. Okay, I don't mean talking. I mean the what's going on in my life. I got to tell you right now, there's been a, a stronghold, a blockage in my heart for as long as I can remember. Probably predates our wedding anyhow where I have not stood and taken the authority that I have as a head of a household. And uh, I've always kind of, you know, there's, there's excuses. You can have excuses. Boy, I'm telling you, if you want excuses, there's always one. And, and so I always thought, well, you know, if I would stand up and declare something out loud, you know, my wife would think I'm absolutely nuts, which is totally ridiculous. My wife would probably fall on the floor and go, oh, praise the Lord, finally. But anyhow, well, <laughs> anyhow, so she was off at an event a few weeks ago, and I was reading Dean Briggs' book, Ecclesia Rising, which I um, highly recommend. Read it, okay? And at one point, I think this was the point, he talked about how you get the keys to the kingdom, and he says there's two ways to open a gate. One is if you have a key, because that's easy. But he says, you know, if an army's at the gate and the gate won't open and they don't have the key, you know what they do? They go off into the forest, they chop down a great big tree, and they strip the branches off of it, and they bring it up to the gate, and they start swinging that thing at the gate. <laughs> and it's not the easy way, but it's effective. And I'm reading this, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says to me, now, right now, stand up and declare health in this house in Jesus' name. And I wimped out. I didn't do it. And of course, now I have no excuses left. My wife wasn't even there, and we're empty nesters. There was nobody else in the house. And I wimped out. I couldn't do it. So two days later, I said to Deb, this happened. And of course, my wife is very practical. So she said, well, stand up. <laughs> so I did. And then what we've done is on my calendar, on my phone, twice a day, 6 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock in the evening, there is a reminder that goes beep, stand up and declare health in this house in Jesus' name. This last few weeks have been about the worst for my health I can remember. <laughs> But I'm not doing this because I expected instant results. I'm doing this because it's the truth. And so I'm just going to keep doing it. And I don't care how long it takes. We have got to just get to the point where we don't care anymore. We're doing it because it's the truth. And then we'll see the results. Thank you, Gord. And I know there's other people in the room that this stuff is happening to. The part that I love is that Gord's standing in a place where it's not done yet, but he's not giving up yet. And it, that's honestly, like, whatever we're going to go to advance in something of God, we're going to be opposed. That's what the enemy does. Easy was never part of the promise. Easy was never part of the equation. In this world, you will have tribulation. Remember, he said that too. You know, when he wants to develop character, the recipe is not go to a spa day. The recipe is you've got to endure some stuff. You've got to face it down. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to push through. I mean, we know this stuff is real. You know, business world. 
listening to guys say, okay, the key to success of every kind is discipline. You have absolutely got to set the goal, go after it, and get everything else out of the way. Every part of life is the same. It, I, and I'm a drifter by nature. I'll just admit that. Like, I'm not a great planner and a strategizer and whatnot. I, I drift. But God's getting a hold of me on that. Why? Hey, do you remember what the last fruit of the Spirit is? This stuff is stuff we can do. doesn't matter if you're male or female, young or old. doesn't matter. doesn't matter if you've been injured. doesn't matter if you've been abused. It doesn't matter. Seek the Lord and prepare your heart. So what does it mean to prepare your heart? Okay, well, God, you better tell me because I don't know. Well, if you think about we're going to go camping in the mountains, what have you got to do? Okay, how long are we going? How far are we going? How many people are coming? How many beds do I need? You know, we've got to take stock of what's required. We've got to figure it all out, decide that there's enough value, and then pull all the pieces together. And make no mistake, there is a cost. Absolutely there is a cost. There's no escaping that. There's no free worship of God where it's all effortless and easy. Like David said, I will not offer to the Lord something that calls, causes costs. You know what I'm saying. <clears throat> there is a sacrifice of praise for each and every one of us. How many of you have seen the dance when it comes out of me? Half of you have no idea what I'm talking about. One of the, the sacrifices of praise for me was my dignity. You don't know how badly I wanted to be known as a respectable, formidable messenger of the gospel. Jesus had other plans. I've had to dance like that in different nations. And I mean, he says things like, I use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Well, I didn't volunteer for that one. You know, but, but we each have these things that we've got to bring. We've got to bring our own sacrifice. Introverts, that can mean you've got to get your voice raised and your hands raised. Extroverts, you've got to change your positioning. Like it, it's real easy to worship God sitting here comfortably. Bless you, Jesus. But what if he's not going to accept that sacrifice? Because he does that. Some sacrifices he accepts, some he does not. Cain and Abel. He told Cain, you got to change offerings. That's not good enough. That's offensive. But we have to bend to what he wants. And so this thing is forming in me, and I, I know he's forming it in us. Whatever you want, however you want it, whenever you want it. Like When you read David danced before the ark, do you, do you know what the tradition behind all that was? When you go to war and you capture an enemy king, you make that guy dance like a fool and parade him back through the city, the capital city, to demonstrate your victory. You make the guy look like an absolute idiot. So this wasn't David looking like, look at me, I'm dancing really well. He was dancing the part of the, the captured fool. What if in a moment, that's... What if that's the offering that God wants in that moment? Are you ready to say yes? This is what we're faced with. This is your responsibility too. He's going to get something done. You know, we had for years up on this wall, is this the place, are these the people? The answer is yes. This is the place, these are the people. We're taking possession of that word. If you're in, we've all got some work to do. Linger longer is going to take effect. More nights of the week are already starting. Did you notice? Small groups are getting together. More prayer meetings are happening, and they're, they're coming to life. You know, we've got events like the, the park crawl. That's birthed out of the Spirit and affecting the community. And I, I just heard something. I just heard that there's this thing starting to, to go about, um, is it single moms that we're equipping? Is that what's happening? Moms. We're starting to reach into the community because that's what happens when the glory starts to fall. Is it, you know, love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself? These things are happening. Are you a superstar Christian? 
Did anyone come along and give you a gold star and say, yes, you may thus go forth now and do that thing because we approve? Only Jesus. It's what he wants. It's what he gets. And if he starts it, it's going to do whatever he wants it to do. One of the parables. Now, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who found a treasure in a field, and he went and sold everything that he had so that he could buy that field. Why? Because the value of the treasure in the field was greater than what he already had. Why do I travel with Mark? Did you know that I don't make money when I travel with Mark? Nobody goes, hey, that guy needs an offering. <laughs> Did you know that? Like, <laughs> nobody pays my way. Nobody, nobody gives me, you know, you're covered, dude. So my sacrifice is I recognize there's treasure being near that man. Twice now I've built a house within, like, two doors down from them to get as close as I can. Why? Because when something's good, you pay the price to get in there. Like, if you could spend a thousand bucks and have a weekend away with Jeff Bezos, owner of Amazon, have conversation and whatnot, like, would you? Darn rights, I would. I want to know what that guy knows. It's this kind of thing that... How many of you feel like, ah, I'm just, it's so hard to get into doing this stuff and, you know, I wish, I, like, I was that guy. Somebody noticed me. Somebody put me to work. Somebody give me a framework so that I can do something. You've got to chase. You've got to chase God, but you've got to chase somebody to get close to as well. Because the people that are doing the stuff are busy doing the stuff. They're not necessarily looking around to go, okay, who wants to be drawn in? And, and sometimes God's gracious to do that stuff. But you got to, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Violent men take it by force. Like, this is what it's all about. There's a book on wealth. We've referred to it probably in this house once or twice. It talks about the cycles of wealth through generations. Generation one creates the wealth. They bust their butt. They come up with the innovative idea. They do all the hustle, whatever. They create wealth. Generation two comes along. Generation two doesn't know how the wealth was created, but they've got all this wealth, and so they manage it. And they're like, okay, well, we've got to do something with this. So we're going to invest it. We're going to, hmm, uh, I don't know. We're going to do stuff with it, I guess. Third generation comes along. They haven't created it. They haven't managed it. They just see it's all there. So what do they do? They spend it. They spend it left, right, and center like crazy. I'm sure you've seen them on Instagram. The wild parties on the yachts. The like fourth generation is back to square one. And so this guy in the business sphere was like, why does this happen? Because this happens. It happens so much. There are, there are only some, some, few that are able to maintain the wealth multi-generationally. And so what it came down to, how do you make sure the next generation is wealthy? You have to teach them to create. And creation comes out of your spirit. In business, in your home, whatever it is. Creation comes out of your spirit. That's where creativity is. And so we've got to get to the point where we're prioritizing that. Holy Ghost, you know everybody in the room that has a yes in their heart. And so I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would sweep in to everyone who's holding out their yes. And I pray that you start to examine their lives. I pray that you start to point out the things you want changed. I pray that you start addressing the good things and the bad things. I pray that you start organizing our lives. I pray that you start making us a living sacrifice. I pray that you start infesting us with faith, daring to believe that things can change. Uh, one of the words God spoke to me about all of this, all of you this day, you're deeper than you know. You're deeper than you know. You can hear God. You can change your friends' lives when you hear God and do what He says. You're deeper than you know. And the enemy has spent years boarding up the temple of the Holy Ghost in you. 
doing whatever he can to defile. But in Jesus' name, an excavation is starting. Spring cleaning is starting. He's restoring the temple. He's making you more than a conqueror. He's making you an overcomer. He's making you a witness in the earth. I have seen the Lord do this. He chose you to release the kingdom in your world. You're the authority in charge. So going along with that, um, I, I don't dream. I can, I can remember uh, uh, my whole entire life, there's probably two dreams that I remember that are super clear. And over the last six, six months, one of the things I've been praying is, God, I want to dream. And in the last probably like two weeks, I've had two incredibly clear uh, dreams. And, and just, what was the phrase he said? Cam just said there's to prepare yourself and, and there's deeper stuff in all of us. You're deeper than you know. Thanks, Ben. And, and this last week, I had this dream where I was here in the church and, and, and I was talking with Clayton Rayner and we were talking about like um, we were talking about like the media stuff and how we need this piece of equipment and we need this camera and oh, if we had this, it would be great. And we're talking about all the things we don't have. And, and I go back, if you don't know, my office is in the back here. And I go back to my office and I see this ramp going down into this area over here. And it goes around a corner. And so I start walking down this ramp and I turn to the right and there's this tiny door that I, that I walk through. And it opens up underneath is this massive sanctuary filled with state-of-the-art everything. And, 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 and it's covered in dust. And so I feel like that's a declaration over this body is that there's everything that you need God has put inside of you and it's deep and it's there and there's things that are being discovered. There's things that are going to be uncovered and there's going to be taking uh, some cloth and wiping off the dust. There's going to be, um, it's time to clean up. It's time to pursue God and say, God, what do you have? And as we step into that, he's going to be showing, he's going to be revealing, he's going to say, hey, I've already put this in you. Go get it and go out to the community. So then what's possible? What's possible? What could God do through you if you let go of the purse strings, if you let go of the, the schedule? What's possible? What would your life look like if you got that gift of prophecy that you've been seeking or that gift of miracles. Let me tell you what it would look like. People would be banging on your door. You would have appointments. Your schedule is shot if you get what you're after from the Lord. Because the greatest of all in the kingdom is the servant of all. And so God, we admit that in our sphere, the area that you've given us, we've got so much to learn and we want to know how to bring the kingdom where we live, where we work, where we study, in our friendship circles. We want to know how to bring the kingdom. And we're going to give you our faith. We're going to try some things. We're going to do some things differently. We're going to put away some things. So then let me tell you what's coming in the church. Because of the forces that are at work in the world around you, these ones that are hardcore committed, what happens when you get the, the young radicals in the church when they come in and they won't be nice and be quiet and sit down? What happens when the young people refuse to stop worshiping the Lord and they're like, I can't get enough, so I'm getting together with my friends and we're going to do it. And what do you do? Because cycles of history that we're talking about, God sends radicals in when things get weak. He sends in the radicals, the ones who won't bow, the ones who won't do it politely. They're coming back, and they're going to push in, and they're going to get the stuff. And uh, 
you think Todd White's weird, if you think, who's the, who's the other Todd? Todd Bentley? Yeah. Like these are some of the examples of the radicals that are coming that are going to, they're going to bump into the way we think of Jesus. They're going to bump into the way we do church. But I've already demonstrated they're the ones that the Lord responds to because they'll tear the roof off. They'll push through the crowd. They'll hang off a tree and they'll scream, Jesus! And they won't shut up. And God will respond to them. And it's offensive because we've been in the church for how long? I've been a Christian for 25 years. Why did it take me this long? But this is the hopeful word. We don't have to sit around and wait for the next radicals to come and go, oh, shoot, we missed it. Okay, we'll just watch them come. The radical is in you. There, that is the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory, exists today because Jesus died. So you don't have to hear this word and go, all right, I guess I'm 72, so you know what? We'll just wait for those next... Ra- it's in you. God is actually looking at a generation right now going, I, I don't want it that I have to pull another one up. It's in you right now, and you can make a choice in your heart and in your spirit that the very radical that I've placed in you when my son gave his life on a cross and defeated death is inside of you today. So you be my radical. You be my radical generation, and you walk with the next radical generation. I would have it that everyone alive knew Christ in you, the hope of glory, that you knew there was a radical seed inside of you, and every human being alive on the planet, it's not supposed to be one generation after the other. It's supposed to be every knee bowing and every tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that is the radical that's inside of you. That is the hope. That is the hope. And so I hear, oh, I can only speak for myself and my family. Even if I don't think or know I have it inside of me, my prayer is, God, let it be me. Even if I don't believe that, that, that the radical is inside of me, I want it that it would be me. Paul's dream about everything being available is terrifying because it means it's there and it means you now know. And it wasn't meant for anyone else but you to access it. And, and it's not just the people in this church. That, that room with all of that stuff in there is meant for every Christian. It's actually meant for every human being alive on the planet. Every human being alive that hasn't even confessed him as Lord. That room is available. There's like 8,000 things I want to say, but I believe... I believe the word's been released. Arise, O glorious ones. Arise, O glorious ones. You are the glorious ones. He looks upon you and he sees that you are the glorious ones. And so we walk together in this because we each see God differently and we express him differently. Ben carries a great word of hope right there. And I've struggled with the, the weight of it. I've struggled with the ugh of it, and it's uncomfortable and whatnot. But we carry this glory together so that one tempers the other, and one encourages the other, and one heals the other, and one challenges the other. And we're all together in this. So bring yourself. Bring yourself. Bring yourself. Bring yourself. going to dismiss it shortly, but you know, it was interesting, there were, I may have shared this before, but Cam shared some stats, and some of the other stats are that last year, uh, they birthed two churches in Alberta, in Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, but they shut five down, 
that the Church of Canada has an 80% decline right now. And of the 20% growth, 18% of that is from transfers, meaning there is a 2% growth rate of new believers, which would say something has to change. Something has to change. When I hear that, it's not acceptable. It's just not acceptable. And in Hebrews, the word says this. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's probably one of the most encouraging passages in the Bible. Right? Because the Jesus who healed in the New Testament is the Jesus of today. Here's what it comes down to. We need to get closer to him. We need to get closer to him. This is the word of laying down whatever it is that's in the way. Whatever it is. When you look at the state of our nation, I just don't think we have an option anymore. So, Father God, I pray that we would hear the word that was spoken today. Father, that it wouldn't be another message that we go, oh, that was good, or that point was good, or this point was good, and then we move on with our life. But I pray that something would shift in our hearts today. And that's what we prayed before the service, that something would shift in each heart in this room today, that something would change, that we would no longer accept the journey we're on now, but we would fight to be closer to him so that not just my life is changed, but that this nation is changed. God, this is our heart's desire. It's not enough that I'm going. I want everybody else going too. In Jesus' name, amen.